How many blessed people do we have in the house of the Lord today? It feels so good to be in God's house. Thank all of you for being here. I want you to know that I understand you have to get yourself ready, your kids ready if you have children. It takes effort to get yourself together, but I just want to tell you I appreciate you being here this morning. Can you say amen? Well, I didn't know if I was going to give you this humor because it's, it's kind of corny, but it's really corny. But here it is. For the past 21 years, my wife has been complaining about me not capping the toothpaste. So last anniversary, I decided to change this bad habit for a week. I was diligent, always capping the toothpaste. I was expecting her to thank me, but she never did. Finally, last night, she turned and looked at me and said, why have you stopped brushing your teeth? I really uh, feel like the Lord has been showing me some things, and I'm going to just relay what I feel like the Lord has been showing me. I'm going to just speak out of my heart. I don't know how ramped up I'll get this morning because I know a lot of people think that if I'm screaming, I'm anointed. But I'll tell you right now, I know I'm anointed if I never scream today because I know that the Lord is with us and he has purpose for us. And I'm so glad that you're here. Would you pray with me, Father? I just thank you for all of our guests, all of those that call this their home Thank you for every Lord one that is part of our online community. And I just pray, God, for the next, uh, for the next little bit, would you just let your words flow out of my heart and let it flow into the hearts of your people that God, we may be equipped and encouraged. And most of all, strive again today to become a little bit more like you. We thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. You can be seated. I want to talk to you today on worship is not about us. I love music. I grew up playing the drums. I started playing the drums when I was eight in church and played the drums basically until I was in my mid forties. I absolutely love music. So I don't want you to, to, to miss construe what I'm about to say. I love music. I love praise. I love worship, but worship is more than music. Worship is more than singing. Worship is more than us clapping our hands. Really, really the heart of worship is really surrender. And surrender is best demonstrated in obedience and trust. Because worship is really not about our personal preferences and which songs that we like the most. Worship is not about us. I want you to look at Genesis 1 and 1. And the first 10 words of the Bible really set the precedent for all the rest of Scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The opening words of scripture is to establish one thing, that God is the creator 
of all things. Proverbs 16 and 4 says this. The Lord has made everything for his own purpose. Even the wicked for the day of despair. In other words, God has created everything that you see for his own purpose. If I created a painting, which I am no artist, I can barely draw stick figures, much less paint. A man, if you you will remember, some of you may remember, his name's Tony. Tony uh, painted this for me and brought it to me one Sunday. Uh, He's no longer attending here. He lives in Orange, Texas and can't come, but he painted this for me and you know, if if I were to have painted this picture, which I didn't, Tony did, or if I were to write a song, or if I were to create a computer, it belongs to me, and it is a testament of my artistic ability. Do you agree? Since God made us, then we belong to Him as a testament of His creative glory. And just as Brother Tony would probably be offended if I shook up this pink, dipped my brush, and decided I don't really like his painting, I'm going to help it out, and I'm going to paint what I want, he'd probably be offended. Just like an artist, if they wrote a song and you changed all the words of their song, they would probably be offended. If you took over, if you took over and said, Steve Jobs didn't create Apple, I did, and here's my spin on it. Though he's no longer around, I'm sure the people that are connected to him would be offended that you are thinking you're going to take over what he created. Now, I can't get into this, but here is where our culture is at. God made them and he created them, but they take their own brush and say, I'm not that, this is what I am. This, this, I'm not a man, I'm an it. I'm a shim. Uh, you know, I know you created me with this anatomy, but that's not who I am. I want to be who I want to be. And God takes offense at that, just as an artist would take offense. If I decided that's not what I wanted, this is what I want. Ladies and gentlemen, you were made by God and you were made for God. And when you're made a male, he expects you to be a male. And when you're a female, he expects you to be a female. And he gets offended when you don't fulfill his purposes for what he created you for. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, you and I were never created or made to live for our own success, for our own glory. You and I were not put on earth to be remembered. You and I were not put on earth to be important. God did not create you, though, to put you down. I'm not saying that God wants to put you down. That's not what I'm saying. God did not create you so you can think less of yourself. God doesn't want to do that. Are you with me? He just wants you to think of yourself less. I'm going to rewind that. God didn't create you so you can just think, oh, he's so big and I'm so little. He just wanted you to not think less of yourself. Just think of yourself less. 
Someone said the reasons why the angels can fly is because they take themselves so lightly. I'm talking about a bunch of preachers I know. They're buttoned up real tight. They take themselves so seriously. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I were put upon this earth for one reason. And that is to bring glory to God. The greatest achievement that you can do with your life is to not make $5 million. That's great. If you make that, bless the kingdom with it. But that's not the greatest achievement. The greatest achievement that you can do with your life is to bring God glory and to magnify God's reputation on the earth as we are the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus on the earth. I'm going to keep just coming back to this. God does not get involved with you to decrease you, to put you down. God does not get involved with you to bring you into bondage. God got involved with you actually to liberate you from yourself so that you could be everything you were intended to be because when you start forgetting yourself, then you can start getting your eyes on something greater than self and that is your creator. See, here was the problem in Isaiah And Isaiah is the five I wills. Lucifer said, I will exalt myself above the heavens. There's the five I wills in the book of Isaiah. And the Lord said, no, you won't. Because Lucifer got out of his lane and wanted to be worshipped instead of being the worshiper. Ladies and gentlemen, when you get out of your lane on on, on highway 12 and you veer into another lane, you can get yourself in serious trouble. But when you stay in your lane and you understand he's God and I'm not, I am not to put self on the throne. I am to put God on the throne because worship is not about me. Worship is about bringing glory to almighty God. Here's what the scripture says, Romans 11 and 36, Living Bible translation. Everything comes from God alone. Everything lives by his power and everything is for his glory. So why is it important that we acknowledge God as the creator? Because if he's powerful enough to create the heavens and if he's powerful enough to create the seas, And if he's powerful enough to create the earth and all of humanity, then don't you think that God is powerful enough to handle any situation that you may be facing right now here on a Sunday morning? That's why he wants you to acknowledge him, first of all, as creator. God actually wants you to wake up in the mornings and first thing that come out of your mouth is to say, God, I worship you. You are the creator of heaven and earth. The first thing that you and I ought to do is to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. 
Don't start complaining. Start thanking God for the eyes you have and the ears you have. Start thanking God for the job you have and the good things of God that you have. And then when you do that, then enter into his gates with praise. And God, I thank you for creation and another sunset and another sunrise. I thank you that there's only one God and his name is Jehovah. His name is Jesus. And he alone is the creator of the world. See, the enemy wants all of us today, all of us today, to worship based off of how we feel. In other words, it's all our worship is predicated now in the modern day church. Our worship is predicated off of this. What has God done for me lately? If God has answered my prayers, we worship. If he don't, not too excited about God. If God's come through for me and I needed that job and God provided the job, we worship. But if he hasn't, we don't. It's all about our feelings. We uh, worship based off of what has God done for me lately. But God really wants our worship not to be about us. He wants it to be about Him. He wants us to worship Him even though He hasn't answered your last prayer. Even though He hasn't brought you through the way you thought he was. He wants you to wake up in the morning and remind yourself, if God can create this universe, then when it's time, he's going to answer the prayer. When it's time, he's going to bring me through. When it's time, things are going to happen the way they need to happen. Why is it so important? In the beginning, God created. Because God wants you to go back to the very first 10 verses in that scripture. And he wants you to always remind yourself that if God can bring order out of chaos, and if he can bring light out of darkness, and if he can create something out of nothing, Ladies and gentlemen, it's not like he took something already and then created it. He took nothing. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, for the worlds, for we know that the worlds were framed, how? By the word of God. God spoke it into existence because his very word is creative. Worship is not about us. Worship is serving the creator and not based on our feelings of what he has done for us. But worship is thanking God in advance. Can I get a witness? See, we, we all know that the clothes we wear, there's a designer behind this suit. Ted Baker is the designer behind this suit. I don't know him, but I, he's a designer. He, he, he made these clothes. Um, George Lucas. How, how many's ever heard of George Lucas? All the, all the, all the unsaved ones have. <laughs> I'm joking. George Lucas is the creator of Star Wars. Anybody ever heard of Star Wars? Okay, George Lucas, you have Star Wars because of George Lucas. Anybody ever heard of a, an album called Thriller? One of the highest uh, selling albums of all times? Yeah, Michael Jackson is the creator of Thriller, right? So um, 
How many's ever heard of an old designer? He's very famous. His name is Frank Lloyd Wright. You ever heard of Frank Lloyd Wright? Yeah, he created over a thousand different buildings. Um, what about the Wright brothers? Uh, they were not the first ones to design the plane, but they took what was there and improved upon it. And really, we, we, we thank the Wright brothers for the, really the creation of the airplane. And here's what we do. We give Grammys, we give Grammys, we give awards to, uh, to all of those who have written songs. That's called the Grammy Awards. Anybody ever heard of that? What that is, that's just recognizing artists and songwriters. And so we give them Grammys and we honor them. How many's ever heard of the Oscars? What, what is that? That's just an award to writers, directors, producers of movies. How many's ever heard of Tony Awards? That's an award that goes out to Broadway and uh, TV. How many's ever heard of uh, five uh, five stars? Like a chef gets a five star award. That's just to honor a chef or his or her creation of uh, of incredible and beautiful food. And so we have all of these awards that we give to these various creators. But man, don't want to honor God. As creator. The day and age in which we live, increasing numbers say they find our confession of a creator ludicrous. They believe that the cosmos and we humans came into existence without any divine initiative. Ladies and gentlemen, believing that is like taking a Rolex watch and disassembling it piece by piece, putting all the pieces in a bag, shaking up the bag, and thinking that out pops a gold Rolex watch fully assembled. That's ludicrous. And yet that's what people want us to believe. Why do they want us to believe that? Because to believe that God is the creator of heaven and earth is to believe that God is the ultimate reality. That there was no big bang. There is a designer. We all believe there's a designer behind the clothes. There's a designer behind the building. There's a designer behind the food. And we'll acknowledge them and we'll honor them. But the world does not want to honor God as creator. Why? Why don't they want to? Because to believe that this God is God means there is no other God. It is to believe that not only are there no other gods, but there is no absence of God. In the beginning was God, period. In the beginning was God, period. Why doesn't man want to acknowledge that? Because man's pride is a barrier to worship. Man, here's what, here's what just makes me smile about man. Man wants to be praised and paid for their creation. And yet God has never charged you rent to live on his earth. He's never charged you to breathe his air, to drink his water. And yet we won't acknowledge him as God, but we'll honor a chef, we'll honor a movie producer, we'll honor a songwriter. But the world don't want to honor God. Why? Because man does not want to admit that we're just 
creatures and we're not in control of anything. And we want to think that we can control. And last week, ladies and gentlemen, I came with a lot of passion to persuade you to lose your life. But don't waste your life. And I tried to persuade you to get over yourself. And don't live in a house of mirrors. And today, I come with that same passion to try to persuade all of us in this room that worship is not about us. And it's not about how we feel. And worship is not about how passionate that we are based off of what God has done for us lately. In the Old Testament, do you understand in the Old Testament, if you had a worship experience, it means you laid some flesh down on an altar. You did not have a worship experience unless you laid something down. Do you understand that when Jesus laid his self down on the cross, it was for the glory of God. And it was the greatest test in his entire life because we are selfish human beings. We want our own way. And when the Bible talks about pick up your cross and follow him, it's not talking about being under bondage to something and being weighted down. What it's referring to is laying down your will so that God can get the glory for your life. See, here's what I just, I want, want you to understand that when Jesus the man laid down his flesh upon the cross, it was the greatest achievement known to mankind. And it was Satan's worst mistake. Because Jesus in his flesh, even though he was God, he was still limited. He could only be at one place at one time. But the greatest act of Christ was when he laid his self, his will, his flesh upon the cross so that ultimately God could pour out his spirit. And now it wasn't dependent upon Jesus being at one place. Now God's spirit could fill the whole earth. And he said, upon my sons and upon my daughters, I will pour out my spirit. But even Jesus himself had to lay his flesh down. And the enemy, ladies and gentlemen, does not want none of us to lay our flesh down. Because the greatest day in your life is when you lay your flesh down and say, I surrender to him because I want my life to count. I don't, I don't want to waste it. I want to lose it for his purposes. See, worship, worship is really when you rely on God to work things out. Instead of trying to manipulate others. Instead of forcing your agenda and controlling the situation, you just worship God. Because really, what worship is, we we really think that worship is about music, it's about singing, it's about dancing in the church, and that is an expression of worship. But real worship is about laying your will down and surrendering your will so that God's glory can shine through you. 
Abraham had to lay Isaac on an altar. You know why he did it? Because he trusted God. Worship is not, it is, but it's not really just about music and singing. Worship is really all about who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust God when you don't understand him? Joseph trusted God's purposes without knowing why circumstances happened the way they did. Hannah trusted God's timing even though she wanted a child long before she got one. Abraham trusted that if I lay this promised son down who I waited a hundred years for, God has the power to raise him up to life again. I'm talking today and trying to persuade you that worship is not about us. It's really not. And our tendency is to equate worship with music. It's stunning as you really begin to look. It's really stunning in the Bible how the two, music and worship, are rarely together. When Job hears that his possessions are gone and that his children have died, the biblical writer says this, that's when Job fell down and worshipped him. No music is involved. In John 4, when Jesus comes to the well and meets the Samaritan woman at the well, his description of the kind of worship that the Father is seeking has no musical references. When Jesus calmed the storm as they were crossing the sea, he calmed it. I believe this is in, if I'm not mistaken, Matthew 14. When he calmed the storm, the Bible says the disciples fell down and worshipped him. No music. The Bible says that when the wise men saw the child with his mother Mary, they fell down and worshipped. The Bible says that when Jesus healed or raised the little girl back to life. They fell down and they worshiped. The various words in Hebrew and Greek as we translate worship in the Bible are associated with reverence, surrender, service, and honor. But it is rarely translated as music. In other words, singing And music may be a part of our worship, but it should not be the heart of our worship. Worship is way more than music because worship is not about us. And when we worship, our goal is to bring glory to God and not ourselves. Here's why the first 10 verses in the Bible set the precedent for all of the rest in the beginning God created. We should worship because we stand in awe of a creator who created the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in it. You should not worship because God's just answered your last prayer. You should worship because as you worship, you surrender to a God that is greater, more powerful, more majestic, more magnificent than yourself. 
We tend to gauge our worship by the size of the crowd or how many hands are raised. And what escapes our attention is worship has been going on long before the beginning of time. I want you to see this verse in John chapter 17 and verse 5. And now, Father, just as Jesus speaking, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Now, what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that God had glory before the world existed. That's what it means. It means that angels are around the throne at this very moment. Millions of angels right now as we speak are around the throne. And what they are doing, their only assignment is to say, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and which is to come. And the secular world would try to make you think that worship is egotistical. It is us stroking the ego of God because he needs us to worship him. Ladies and gentlemen, worship is not about us. I am not here to hurt your feelings. But if you don't worship God, God is not going to slide off of the throne. He's not going to have a meltdown. He's not going to get offended because you don't worship him. He is still going to be God because the Bible says that even though those that don't worship him, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. God's not going to have a meltdown if you don't worship him now. But if you don't worship him now, you're going to have a meltdown later. Because you're either going to worship him now as Lord or later as Lord. But he will be worshipped. But if you worship him now as Lord, it means you dethrone self and understand that there is a one greater than me whose shoe latches I am not even worthy to unloose. Worship is not about us. When you, the Bible says in the book of James, when you exalt him, when you, here's what it actually says, when you humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, then God will exalt you. Offering yourself to God is what worship is all about. See, if we don't, Here's the thing about worship that we all need to understand. If we do not offer worship to God, then we dethrone God and we worship self or we'll worship affluence or we'll worship accomplishments or we'll worship the approval of people or we'll worship appearance. But we were designed to worship. And if you do not put God where he belongs, then you'll put other things where they don't belong. And worship is not about you. You and I need to get over ourselves. We seriously need to get over ourselves because as human beings, we have a desire to have complete control. We want to be in control. 
We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And that causes a lot of stress in our lives. One leader said this. It was actually A.W. Tozer. He said, the reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they have yet to come to an end to themselves. I just want you to think about this. It was not until the prodigal son came to himself that things changed. He eventually got over himself. And he says, you know what? I don't even have to be called a son. I'm so hungry, I'll just be willing to be called a servant. But he, until he came to himself, life was hard. When he actually come to himself and realized who he was, he said, guess what? I know I'm a son, but I'll go back as a servant. And when he humbled himself as a servant, guess who exalted him? The father did. See, God is not what the world misunderstands. The world misunderstands worship because they think that it is a stroke. God needs his ego stroke. No, God doesn't need his ego stroke. He's got millions of angels worshiping him right now. He just knows that if you don't put him first, you're going to put self first. And if you put self first, you're going to drive yourself to a faraway country and you're going to end up not having anything until you come to yourself and realize that God is God and I am not. And then when you humble yourself, that's when the Father can exalt you. See, God wants to bless you. It's not that God don't have resources. God owns all of it. He's looking for stewards that he can trust with his resources so that when he blesses you, you don't get the big head and think that you're something that you're not, but rather you're a conduit of the blessings of Almighty God so that you can magnify God's reputation in the earth because it's not about us. It's all about Him. See, it's when we try to be God that we end up being most like Satan. Huh. I'm going to say it again. It's when we try to be God that we end up most like Satan who desired the same thing. Lucifer got kicked out because he desired God's place. And God knows, ladies and gentlemen, that if you don't stand in all of Him, you'll stand in all of yourself. And if you don't worship Him, you'll live in a house full of mirrors and think there's nothing better than you and your agenda and your way. And if you don't worship God as Creator on earth, you're going to worship something. And if there is, here, here's what I want you to get this morning. If there is no creator, then the evolution of self is the highest creation. Okay, you got to engage your mind on some things I'm fixing to tell you. Engage your mind. If there is no creator, then man invented God and religion. I'm going to say that again. If there is no creator... Then man invented God and religion. And why would man invent God if man is the highest form of evolution? Huh. If there is no creator, ladies and gentlemen, it, it, it's not 14 options out here. Listen, it's really not. I know the world hates absolute truth. They hate it. They hate it with a passion. But here it is, plain is black and white. If there is no creator, then it simply means there is no right and wrong and there is no hope beyond the brief years you live upon the earth. 
Because if there is no creator, ladies and gentlemen, then there was no Calvary. And if there was no Calvary, there was no resurrection. And if there is no resurrection, we have no hope beyond the grave. It's just live life, make the best of it, eat, drink, for tomorrow you may die if there is no creator. It's just as simple as that. Either there is a God and there is a creator and this God has a book or all that we're talking about and all that we think has happened at eight years old, this, this experience that I know happened to me, it was only a figment of my imagination if there is no God. But I'm here to tell you as an eight-year-old in a, a small little church in East Texas, I, I wasn't faking it, I didn't plan it, but God came upon me and filled me with His Spirit, and it is an experience I have never, ever forgotten. Are you with me? The very universe declares the glory of God. And I'm wrapping this up. Psalms 8 and 3 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are even mindful of him? In other words, what that means very simply is God arranged the stars of the heaven with his fingers. Okay, now I'm going to slow down. And I'm going to give you a couple of things. You're going to have to engage your mind because it's going to be hard for you to wrap your mind around this. Not because I'm smart, but because there's, this is a lot of research that scientists have done and I want you to get it. Beside our sun, the nearest star is 4.3 light years away. Okay. Light travels at the speed of 186,282 miles per second. That is roughly 670 million miles an hour that light travels. Light can travel 670 million miles in an hour. Our airplanes fly at approximately 500 miles an hour. Our moon is roughly 239,000 miles from the earth. If we got on an airplane today and traveled nonstop to the moon, it would take us 19 days of nonstop travel to the moon. But light reaches it in 1.3 seconds. If the sun, scientists say that the sun is 93 million miles from the earth. If you boarded a jumbo jet and traveled to the sun, it would take you 21 years of nonstop flying at 500 miles an hour. Yet light travels this distance in a mere eight minutes and 20 seconds. Please stay with me. I'm almost done. Scientists say that the nearest star is 4.3 light years from earth to reach the closest star by airplane would take 51 billion years on a nonstop flight. The stars you see at night are 4,000 light years away. Scientists have estimated there are billions of galaxies and each galaxy is loaded with billions of stars. In June of 1994, a new group of galaxies were discovered. And this is going to blow your mind. The distance was calculated at 650 million light years away. I know. 
The World Book of Records states that the most remote object ever seen by man appears to be over 13.2 billion light years away. And the Bible says, in your Bible, it says this, that God holds the measure of the earth in his hand. The Bible says God counts the stars and he knows them all by their name. That just absolutely blows our mind. We do not worship a God, little g. We worship the God, the creator of heaven and earth. And the ultimate question, ladies and gentlemen, is not just who you are, but whose you are. And I close with this scripture, 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. For you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Why is God so worthy of worship? Because he laid down his life to save yours. Not only did he create the heavens and the earth for your enjoyment, but he went a step further than that and he laid his life down on the cross so that he could save your life, so that you could worship him and bring glory to his name. Worship is not about us. Worship is not about the right song. Worship is not about how you feel. Worship is not about what prayers God has answered lately for you. In fact, Job had lost everything, but he fell down and worshiped. Worship Worship is all about surrender. That's really what worship is. I'm not going to worship self. I'm going to worship something bigger than self. How many's ever seen a cowboy movie? Bunch of sinners. When they draw that gun, what's one of the first things when they draw that gun that another individual does? Show me. What do they do? If they don't draw their own gun, they're not fast enough. John Wayne is faster than all of them. So John Wayne drew the only gun. If John Wayne draws the only gun, then what do they do? If they, what do they do? Show me. Show me what they do. All over this house, show me what they do. Everybody, show me what they do. What do they do? What is that a sign of? That's why when we come to church, we lift up our hands because it's a sign of surrender. You are God and I am not. And I'm not worshiping you because they're singing my favorite song. I'm worshiping you because you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. And if you can make a way where there seems to be no way, 
then in your own timing, you're going to come through for me. Because worship is really about trust. Who are you going to trust? You're going to trust self? Well, God didn't come through for me, so I'm going to do it myself. You're going to trust self? And that's exactly what the enemy wants. Trust me, the enemy does not, does not, does not want you laying your wheel down. Because when you lay your wheel down, that's when God can use you the most. When you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, He will exalt you. Get this in closing. You know why God exalted David? Because when nobody was watching back there and he's tending those little sheep, he's worshiping. He's exalting God. See, God don't have any problem in exalting you if you put Him first. If you bless His kingdom, He'll bless your business. If you exalt His name, He'll lift you up and eventually exalt your name. If you'll seek Him first, then all these other things will be added unto you. TPC, I love you. You're precious people. But bless your heart, you don't have the revelation of what worship is. TPC, I love you. You're near and dear to my heart and I pray for you every day. But worship to you is about how God has treated you lately. And it's all about how you feel. It's not about that He is the Creator the sustainer, the giver of all life, that he laid his life down so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It's all about what has God done for me lately. And I'm just in the kindest way I know to tell you, worship is not about us. It's not. It's about him. And it's about us putting him in his place every day and us laying our will down so that we can fulfill his purposes and magnify his reputation in the earth. Would you stand with me? God created you. You know why some of you, you know why some of you are getting jealous over others because you're looking at what you're not. God, I wish you would have given me straight hair instead of curly hair. If you have straight hair, you want curly hair. If you have dark hair, you want blonde hair. If you have this gift, you want that gift. And we're always looking at what we're not. And then we get jealous when we think somebody else has something that we should have. And it's very hard for us to get comfortable in our own skin and worship Him as Creator. He made you just the way He wanted you. And there's not one person in this room that is an accident. You may have had two people, and I'm not trying to be cruel, but you may have had two people get in the back seat of a car and never expected you. But just because they didn't expect you doesn't mean God didn't. God told Jeremiah, I saw you, son, before you were ever formed in your womb, and I already had a plan and a purpose for you. Worship isn't about us.
You know why I love to see hands raised? It's just a sign of surrender. God, I'm not God. I'm, again, I'm not trying to be ugly. I, I'm not shooting airs at anybody. I'm talking to all of us. But you watch people that can't raise their hand. They got a pride issue. They do. It's a pride issue. Because they're not fully surrendered. Because they still want to play God. Because they don't understand what life's all about. Life's not about you. It's not. And I'm not condemning you because it took me a long, long, long time before I realized that. And I wish, my greatest wish is that I could rewind my life to go back till I was 23 and live my life all over again. I do. I do. And I'd realize that, Wayne, it's not about you. It's all about him. It's about tying yourself. It's about tying yourself to a bigger purpose than yourself and realizing that he's the star of the show. And if you exalt him, he'll lift you up. Kaylee, would you come help me, sis? I'm going to sing a song that I've been really listening to a lot. I see you, sweet people. Some of you are struggling so major in your marriage. You know what? I thought it was all Janet's fault. I'm right there. I'm right there. And I didn't even realize what I was struggling with. It wasn't Janet. It was self. I'm going to talk to somebody. Look, if you got to go, I understand. I understand. If you got to go, I understand. When I say I was selfish, I told you this last week. When I said I was very selfish, it didn't mean if I had three Oreos, I wouldn't share two with Janet. It's not what it meant. It meant that I didn't think of her first. I didn't even think to bring her Oreos. I just thought of myself. I wanted Oreos. I got them. She was right there in the room, but I never asked her, does she want Oreos? Does she want milk? That's how I was selfish. We come in and we're the same way. God, what have you done for me lately? What have you done for me? You hadn't healed my daughter. You hadn't brought that new lady back into my life. God, I'm not blessed like they are. And it's all about you. Worship ain't about you. Ain't about how you feel. It's about surrendering to his purposes so that he can exalt you and lift you up. So that you tie yourself to something bigger than yourself. So you have more than an Apple watch or an alarm clock to wake you up in the morning. You have passion because you know why you're here. Worship is about surrender. Anyone in this house want to surrender? And raise your hands like they would in a movie. And stare at the face of God and tell Him you surrender right now your will.
So, look, if you got to go, I get it. But I'm just going to talk now to some people that want to surrender their total life to God. Would you step out of your pew if you just want to be totally surrendered to him? doesn't mean that you are right now. It just means that's where you want to go. It means the journey you want to get to. As you're coming, if you got to go, I understand. But as you're coming, I want to tell you something. My daddy used to tell me this all the time. He said, Wayne, when every man, the Bible says, when every man got in his place, the battle was won. What does that mean? Sister June, you're called to pray. That's part of your giftings. You are called to pray. When you are praying, Kaylee's called to sing and Kaylee's singing and Jared is called to sing and worship when he's doing that. Carl, where's Carl at? Is Carl still here? Okay, Carl. Carl is gifted to encourage people. He's gifted. He's just got a gift. Doesn't make him better than anybody. It just means that's his gift of encouragement. When Carl is encouraging people, Sister June, you're praying, and y'all are worshiping, and the rest of all of us are doing what God has gifted us to do, then guess what? There's no big eyes. And there's no little use. It's just like, is the egg more important than sugar? Is sugar more important than flour? It takes many ingredients to make a cake. And if you don't have all of them, you don't get the taste of a good cake. Because it's not all about just one ingredient. And ladies and gentlemen, if we are stuck on, it's all about me being on the stage, then we're missing it. Because God hasn't designed everybody the same. He's designed us all differently. I got music playing and I need it off. Thank you. When we are working in God's giftings, then guess what? Some beautiful things can begin to appear. When you are at that door and you are greeting people and loving people, you're not judging them, not condemning them. You're loving them because this is to be a hospital. If this is a country club and if this is what TPC wants is a country club, take me out. And if for some strange reason you got the idea in your mind that we built that building for our glory, you're smoking something. You are smoking something. Because we ain't building that building for our glory. We're building that building so that Christ can be exalted and lives can be transformed. That's why we're building that building. That's the only reason why. If we will exalt him, he will lift us up. And he will draw all men unto him. And everybody's in their place. Brother David, he made a profound statement the other night. And I don't know if y'all caught it on a Wednesday night, but he said, God is preparing this church. Do you remember what you said, Brother David? He said, God is preparing this church for its greatest days. The greatest days of TPC. Not because of me, not because of you, but because God has purpose. 
Y'all with me? Okay, this is second service. If you got to go, go. See this right here? This right here, God don't need this. He don't. The Bible said he owns it all. The cattle on a thousand hills is his. He owns it all. All the silver and the gold is his. You know what this is about? I'll tell you what this is about. This is about worship. And this is about surrender. Because wherever your heart is, there your treasure is going to be. It's not about getting a preacher rich. It's about saying, God, my heart is in the kingdom. So that's where my dollars are going to go. God, my heart is in the kingdom. So I ain't worshiping self. I'm worshiping you. God, my heart is in the kingdom. So I don't need somebody to come bake cookies and pat me on the back and tell me how good I did because I opened the door for somebody. I'm here to be in my place. To fulfill my purpose so I can magnify your reputation in the earth. Did all of that make sense? Okay. I know I held you a long time. I can't sing, but dear God, I wish I could. I'd sing, I surrender all. Worship ain't about you, sweetheart. It's not. I surrender. It's about Him. And every time you worship, you put self down. And you exalt Him. Blessed Savior, I surrender. Come on, everybody, strong now with your heart. your abilities. 